You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. This this is the Blue Horseshoe with your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey, George Bremer, back with you here on the Blue Horseshoe podcast. Preseason game number two in the books. And George, obviously a big position we've all been talking about this offseason so far and all throughout training camp has been the wide receiver position. We know there are some locks on this roster. Michael Pittman, right? Here's a shock. Going to make the roster. Alec Pierce, same thing. But now when you get to the back end of the roster, who's going to make it, who's not? We saw some some big guys make some big-time plays and, and try to make their case uh, for making this Colts roster. Desmond Patton, by far the best game any Colts receiver has had um, so far in, uh, in the preseason. Five catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown in Saturday's preseason loss to the Lions. Michael Strawn, though, after coming off the pup list last week, made his triumphant return and impressed, really picked up where he, he left off from last preseason. Three catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown for him as well. George, as we are just about roughly a week away from the final cutdown, I look at the Colts. If they're going to keep six receivers, I think it's going to really be three guys battling for two spots here. It's going to be Padman, it's going to be Strawn, and it's going to be Kiki uh, QT. Do you kind of do you would you agree with that first of all? That's kind of those three guys fighting the last two spots, or are there some people maybe that should be included in this conversation as well? No, I think that's the group. I mean, like you said, you got four guys who pretty much are in. Those top four guys have, have made it. Ash and Dolan didn't even play in the game on Saturday. I thought that was really telling. You know, there were only two. Uh, receivers who sat out, and it was Pittman and Doolin. I think it tells you a lot about what they think about him right now. I think Campbell and Pierce, it was mostly about just getting some some run on their legs a little bit. Pierce, because he's a rookie, and Campbell, obviously, with, with his injury history, hasn't been out there as much as you'd like a guy at this point in his career, so just get him a few more snaps. Um, but after that, it, it was wide open for the longest time. I think it's good for Kiki QT that he got back out there this week. He had that hamstring injury against Buffalo, so he's back out there. He can compete a little bit. Uh, I'm sure he's going to play against the Bucks, and you'll get another chance to look at him. But huge day for Desmond Patman. I'm not sure if we had had this talk a week ago if I would have put him on the list. You know what I mean? He was struggling a little bit in camp. It was kind of a slow start for him. Uh, he made that one big play out in Buffalo, so he was still on the radar. But then to go out there and have 100 yards – catch that 50-yard touchdown pass. Uh, you know, he, he put himself firmly in the conversation now. And Mike Strong, I don't know how much more impressive you can be. You practice for three days. You go out there. It looks like you've been out at camp the entire summer. Uh, it did not look like he had lost a step. Had a, a real nice, smooth touchdown catch. Uh, I feel like both those guys helped their case. And I think they're leading candidates now. And I would agree. I think QT is probably the, the one other guy you might put in that rotation. And it's interesting, too, watching Padman, especially on Saturday against the Lions. I don't want to get too wrapped up in the moment, 
But he was a guy that I like a lot in part because he kind of filled so many different roles and is so versatile when it just comes to the wide receiver position. Like he took an underneath route for a first down and almost kind of looked like, you know, Paris Campbell, just throw the ball underneath and have him just run, you know, run past uh, a bunch of defenders and looking fast. Like I said, he made a really tough catch. I believe it was right on the next play on a fake screen where he goes up, catches the ball, gets hit, comes down almost like, you know, a Michael Pittman esque tough catch. He's acrobatic. Like I said, he had the nice 50 yard touchdown. Like he is a guy that, when you look at kind of, especially, you know, back end of the uh, roster receivers, you do look for, you know, versatility when it comes to, uh, can they play special teams? Can they do kickoff or, or punt coverage, stuff like that. But I think it's also important to kind of have a guy that could fit in numerous roles where if Michael Pimmons, let's say, banged up for a series or two, he can kind of step into his role. Or if Paris Campbell, you know, needs a blow or, you know, and needs a few plays off, you can kind of have him step into the slot. Patman's kind of those guys that one of those guys, especially on Saturday, looked like he can fill numerous roles, which, you know, we talk about versatility when you're trying to make a 53-man roster. That's one of the biggest keys outside of just availability. I really like that from Pat, uh, Patman. I thought really showed kind of, you know, a big reason why he should be included uh, definitely in this conversation and why he should be included on the roster. When you go back to last Christmas, you know, he makes a touchdown catch against Arizona, really probably the game-winning play up there when, when you think about clinching that that victory. Uh, and that was a day a lot of guys were out. A lot of guys who don't normally play had to get out there and play. So he's done it. Uh, before in the regular season, he's done it in a big situation. And then you go out and you have a preseason game like that. Uh, I think it really just cements in coaches' minds and, and in the quarterbacks' minds, this is a guy we can count on. This is a guy we can trust. And, and that's what you're trying to do this time of year. I mean, that's the number one thing is try to make your teammates and your coaches understand you're going to be there for them. And I thought my, Des Patman did a really good job of that. Uh, now what I think would be interesting is can you get it from the upper guys? You know, you haven't had a lot of production and been out there long. We'll talk about that later in the week, but I think it's going to be interesting to watch that this Saturday. And, you know, you know, competition always does, you know, bring out the best in everyone. Like I said, it's nice to see some of the, the bottom roster guys. Like I said, right, push some of the guys up top, like Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce, and just say, hey, you know, send, your, uh, send a reminder. I'm here and I'm making plays. Now it's time for, you know, for you guys to step up and make some plays as well. Speaking of making plays, Mike Strawn, again, after missing almost, what, the entire offseason so far, missing a few weeks of training camp, comes in off the pup list uh, on Monday, plays in Saturday's game, looks really good, really strong, making some nice plays. Again, we, we, we kind of joked, but he picked up right where he left off from last training camp. But he came in, looked strong, provided a big target for Sam Ellinger, a high point to the ball. Like This is a guy who, again, is looking really good and looking like he can fulfill a role for the Colts, especially when you get down to the red zone. There's that big body receiver that can go up and get a ball from Matt Ryan if you need you know six. Well, and I wonder too with him, you know, Frank Reich said when, when Drew Ogletree went down that Ogletree had a, a significant role in this offense and they were going to have to change some things up and Jelani Woods is going to have to come on a little bit faster than maybe he was going to have to prior to that. But is Mike Schron a guy who can take some of those routes? He's not a tight end, obviously, but he's got a similar build. He's, he's got a similar skill set. You know, is he a guy who can come in and, and maybe take some of those plays, take some of that that load, you know, and, and fill some of that hole? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. He's got a lot that he's still got to prove. He's another guy who's got to show that he can do it on special teams. He's working really hard with Bubba Ventrone right now to, to make sure that he can be active on game day. Uh, but, you know, there, there's so much to like about his game, his size. Uh, he, he's had some inconsistencies out here in practice. You would absolutely expect that after the layoff. He had a drop on Tuesday, for instance, that wasn't – I don't think you'd want to see that in a game. Uh, but he, he looked smooth. He looked natural against Detroit. Uh, definitely didn't look like he'd been missing for three months, which was the case prior to that. Um, I, 
I don't know what more he could have done really on, on Saturday to, to impress you. And now moving forward, it, it really will be interesting to see. They're going to have to change this offense a bit from whatever was planned. Not that Drew Ogletree was a, a marquee guy, but he was going to have a significant role. And now you've got to find, you know, where's that going to go? And, and I wonder if Mike Strawn's not part of that answer. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And two, we talked about it a few weeks ago, George, and I believe it was our first podcast where we were talking about, you know, the loss of Drew Ogletree. We're talking about even when it comes to the questions of the receivers. Well, maybe this could be a year where you have, you know, a tight end room filled with just redwood trees, like just massive human beings where it's like, okay, you know what? If maybe some of the receivers are struggling to get off press coverage and struggling to get open, there's a tight end group that's just so massive that's going to be almost impossible for defense to slow down. Maybe they could take some of the uh, the load and the heat off the receivers. Now, a few weeks later, you know, Ogletree goes down out for the year. And now you're seeing a guy like Mike Strawn where, you know, if Jelani Woods is still slow to, you know, kind of get used to this offense and even though Ogletree was drafted later than Woods, he was still above the depth chart and, and moving along faster. You wonder behind Moelle Cox, even Kylan Granson, who's a smaller tight end, you wonder now, if, okay, maybe the, the tight end, you know, like I said, with Ogletree missing, maybe that changes the way Frank Reich thinks and operates come the red zone where now it's like, you know what? Yeah, actually, we're going to go back to the receivers. We're going to rely on a guy like Mike Strawn here, kind of really provide some size for us down low, whereas otherwise maybe that would have been, you know, Ogletree's role per se. So that's another feather in Strawn's cap. Now it's just about can you hope last year he learned his lesson about really what it takes to not only just make the roster, now what it takes to get on the field. You mentioned he's working with Bubba, Bubba, Bubba Ventro and trying to get back, you know, more on the field special team-wise. I know it's tough because he's still, you know, just a week, barely a week back uh, from his injury. You really do hope that he learned last year what it actually takes to not just, you know, suit up on game day, but now what it takes to actually get on the field and start making some impressions. Yeah, you know, got to be active, right? It's one thing to be up there, but right. if you're inactive on, on Sunday, you're not obviously going to make an impact on the team. And I think that's something that hopefully, you know, he he's understanding now what's being asked of him. You know, he's a year older. He's a year wiser. Uh, I think you see it already in his game has grown, you know, from a year ago. There, there were, I think there were things that he did Saturday against Detroit that were much smoother than they were a year ago. You know, like he's he's thinking less, he's playing more. Uh, I think that's what you want to see, that kind of progressing with him. And now the question is, like you said, can he go out there and can he prove to these coaches that he's a guy who's indispensable? You have to have him up on game day, and, and we'll see. That'll play itself out. One guy we know that will be active for every game, and that's a total surprise. We got some official news on Tuesday, and that is that Matt Pryor will be the starting left tackle for the Colts come week number one. Not a huge surprise, George. You know, that was kind of slated from the beginning. Um, Matt Pryor's really done for the most part nothing to lose a job, especially to a rookie for sure. How is Matt Pryor, you know, in your, you know, uh, observations at training camp every day, how has he progressed from day one now to we're almost at the end of training camp? Yeah, he's a guy who's been stacking days together, and I think that's what you wanted to see from him. You know, he's gotten better from day one to now this was day 14 here on Tuesday, and and that's what you're looking for from all the players. But I think in him in particular, you're starting to see him be consistent. You know, he's getting beat less. He's not getting beat by the same move twice. He's not getting beat the same way every day. Those are the things that you're looking for. 
Uh, I think he's kind of solidified himself. Obviously, he solidified himself in, in taking that left tackle job. But I also want to know, it's not the end for Bernard Ryman. They really like him. They like what they've seen from him so long. This has more to do with Matt Pryor winning the job than, than anything that Bernard Ryman didn't do. And I think right now, he's in that role as the sixth offensive lineman. He's that extra guy who comes in when they load up one side of the line. Uh, and I think you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, if there are injuries do you move some guys around? Do you find a way to get him on the field? I think they're really happy with the way that competition played out. I think both guys exceeded expectations. Uh, Ryman's a guy who got – go back and watch the first snap he played against Buffalo to the last snap he played against Detroit, and he's grown so much so quickly out there. Uh, I think they're feeling really good about that situation. you got a, a guy you feel good as a solid starter, and you got a guy behind him who you feel good about. And now Dennis Kelly might be coming back this week. There's a chance he'll be back on the field before the week's out. Uh, all of a sudden, that tech tackle spot, you're feeling pretty good about, about what you've got there. I'm glad you brought up Ryman's progress, too, because you're right. It's not like on paper, right? It seems pretty clear. Matt Breyer, you know, very experienced uh, tackle, you know, should have the upper hand and should win this battle over, you know, a rookie left tackle. But to your point, right, like Bernard Ryman has done a, a lot really well. The Colts were high in him when they drafted him uh, in the first place. So it's nice to see that Matt Pryor, even though, you know, again, it is expected. This is not exactly a shocking revelation here that he's starting. But to your point, it's nice that he is not only, you know, getting better and, and using, you know, that experience of going against Ngakwe every single day in training camp and just trying to improve himself, but it's also he went out there, took control of the position. And now, like you said, as much confidence as you could realistically have in what was a backup last year, now becoming your starting left tackle. I think the Colts have that in the sense that prior shown you growth and he's at least shown you confidence in training camp. We can trust this guy behind Matt Ryan to at least be competent, which I think mm. that when you have, you know, all pros and guys like Quentin Nelson and pro bowlers like, you know, Ryan Kelly, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, like you don't have to have five pro bowler, all pro guys on the line in order to have the best offensive line uh, in the NFL. Just to, to have a guy who is competent alongside next to a guy like Quentin Nelson, that's really all you can ask for. And to your point, that's what uh, Pryor has shown so far in training camp. It's really good to see. Yeah, all they need there is is an average starter, somebody who's going to go out there and and not not get Matt Ryan killed, for lack of a better word. Right. You know, uh, and that Matt Pryor's been that that guy, and I think he's been a real solid guy for him. And I think the fact that he and Quentin Nelson have bonded, and we talked about that that first time out too. Uh, you know, the fact that he and Quentin Nelson have bonded and, and do have that tight relationship, that's what it's all about on the offensive line, that cohesion, the chemistry between the five guys. And they're, they're building that, and I think it's it's going to be interesting how it plays out. Now, you know, I think that's another thing that, that you've got another preseason game to judge by it before they go to Houston uh, that you want to keep seeing that. Does, does the arrow keep pointing up? You know, now that Matt Pryor's been more or less awarded the job with Frank Reich basically saying, yeah, he's going to be the starter week one, does he keep improving? Does he keep working? Is he is he still as hungry as he was when he was in competition? You know, keep an eye on that. I think from everything we've seen from him so far, the, the answer to that will probably be yes. And like there's still two and a half weeks to go to, you know, continue to build that continuity. You're going to play with the starters on Saturday in the preseason finale as well. So it's nice to kind of, you know, also get out ahead of it and, you know, not a last second, you know, three days before the opener. Uh, we're going to go with this guy and kind of pick out of a hat. That is, you know, definitely good to see for sure. All right, when we return here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast, the Titans are clearly the team the Colts are chasing in the division. Is this the Colts' division to lose? One very prominent name, former Colts GM, former great Colts GM you are all familiar with. Thinks that answer is no. We'll discuss if he's right when the Blue Horseshoe returns. 